Friends, welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. John Eldridge here with part two of a conversation with Morgan and Sherry Snyder. This is actually part of a larger series that I am very, very, very excited about and I think you're going to love. I just knew in my heart that prayer is something we needed to get back on the menu, back into the conversation. It's such a critical resource in our lives. It can be a major, major, major help. And yet, I know for many people, prayer is frustrating and it's awkward and, you know, we like it, but we're not quite sure how to do it or we've done it and we didn't seem to get the results, so we've backed off or everyone's got their own story with prayer and it tends to be kind of a mixed story. So we're doing a a multi-part series on prayer and I'm bringing in praying people to just listen to their lives and ask them some questions. And so what we're picking up with this week, if you didn't hear last week's, is the second part of a conversation with Morgan and Sherry Snyder. I wanted to offer a story that's really precious and vulnerable to me right now. So I was just sharing with Morgan this morning, I realized right now I can just feel one of the tactics of my enemy is he's baiting me with envy for someone I really, really care about. And we all know at Ransomed Heart, we're very sensitive to envy. We know envy is a participation with kingdom of darkness. Especially in this hour on the mm-hmm. earth. Right. With the culture of it's, the offended self. Right. Yes. Yes. And so I am just like, man, but this thing has been stubborn. And I have prayed and I have prayed. And I love the you know invitation, John, that you've invited me to, which is, okay, when something is this stubborn, this persistent, Where's the open door? What is it in me that's allowing this? Where's the broken place in my heart? Or I'm curious about that. And Jesus and I are talking about that. But today, the the picture I had in prayer was like, the enemy was like, I was on the ground and he was like, had his boot on my, you know, and these, these things sound strange when you put words to them, but they're, you know, they're like impressions, boot on my throat. And I looked him in the eye and I said, I will bless him for my friend. Yeah. Like, and I tears streaming down my face, like, I will not agree with your bait. Yeah. But it's been like, I mean, I'm weary of this. Yeah. But I am so grateful that the spirit in me is fighting this, but it's so precious and hard and private mm-hmm. and intimate between me and God and mm-hmm. longing yeah. to be whole and holy and yeah. and then also curious, what's the place in my story? Yeah. What's the open door? And that persistence in prayer and to not lose heart and or to get what I need, the support from friends and allies so I don't lose heart in this thing that's Mm -hmm. boot on Mm -hmm. my neck. Mm -hmm. So I'm so grateful for the invitation to not give Mm -hmm. up just because I'm having to really consistently pray against something. And there are wonderful byproducts Mm. of that perseverance, Mm -hmm. right? It's doing other things in you as well, right? Resilience. Exactly. Stubbornness. That, totally. What is it? Romans 5. It always bugged me, but I can now feel it. Suffering produces perseverance. Yeah. Perseverance produces character as in an orientation. Yes. Of my spirit. Yeah. Character produces hope. Yeah. And hope doesn't disappoint. Me. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just in that process. I mean, That's I'm not good. always in hope. I'm not always in perseverance, <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's good to but, name it. But it's it's something in me that's like I will not concede this, that's though though I'm now on the ground mm. and sort of overtaken. Yet there's a place inside of me that will not like mm. turn. Yeah, yeah. That is 
probably the reason for the delay mm. is the producing of that particular quality in you, mm. right? Because it's beautiful and because, because Jesus knows we're actually going to need that particular character quality trait in the coming days, right? So he'll do things that feel very, very frustrating. But what he's after is some things in us that need to be shaped, formed, mm -hmm. right? It's just good to say, you know, most prayers are not answered the first time. Mm -hmm. We're a praying community of people. We've learned a great deal about prayer. And it's just helpful to name some of the things like, oh, by the way, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. one pass at it probably isn't, mm -hmm. isn't going to do it, mm -hmm. whether it's guidance you know, Lord, what should I do? And and then, you know, three minutes later, that's it. Mm. The, they, they never prayed again, and they mm. walk away and just kind of figure it out on themselves. Mm. Or or prayers mm. of, you know, breaking with something that's very stubborn or whatever, to, you mm. know, mm. prayers for a prodigal child, and on and on and on and on mm. and on and on and on it goes, the examples of it. Probably not going to happen on the first mm. pass. Mm. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. Mm -hmm. All kinds of good things are happening. Mm -hmm. While you're praying. That's good, John. Yeah, John, it, your question when you ask, you know, where did it become central or powerful or serious? And as I look back, I realize to that point, my prayers have become more and more powerful as I look over the years. Yes. And I wonder, like, where is that power coming from? And, and Peterson says that prayer must first be about being and becoming before it can be about doing and getting. And so it's not that prayer doesn't do stuff and it get does. stuff done. It absolutely it's does. It's powerful. Yep. But it must first be about being and becoming. And so even mm. the daily prayer, I think when I started praying it, it was kind of out of a get it done, right? Mm -hmm. Bring the kingdom. But now, as I see over time, the power that's being released through prayers because of what it's doing in me, that the first act, I believe, of mm. the daily prayer is the work it does inside of me. Mm -hmm. As you said, the union, the consecration, the yes. surfacing, Sherry, to mm -hmm. your point of the of the parts in me that need ministry. And mm. it's from that place mm. that a power comes. But that power is rooted in, like you said, with perseverance of, of a growing belief in like the goodness of God mm. and the goodness of his heart mm. and his prevailing goodness. And therefore, just a relinquishing of outcomes and control mm. as the measuring stick for the power of the prayers. Yes. I think it's all happening yes. uh, in congruence. Yeah. That's mm. really good. If I were to just list like the kind of bullet points of prayer that I've gleaned from being around all you people here, there's the prayer done, let there be light. Mm. Let there be light. Uh, there's... No, no riff on that. Why'd you bring that up? Because oh, people don't know what you mean when yeah, you say exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I'm bringing this up because there's a few things that I've gained from being around you all that are very helpful to just like, if I don't know what else to pray, I can, like, I've got Fabulous. five or six things. So let there be light is sort of this, you know, participating in our image bearing with God. We remind ourselves in Genesis 1 that Jesus, that the Father and Jesus and Holy Spirit, Trinity, created the heavens and the earth and said, let there be light. And this, you know, throughout the scriptures, the prayer that our eyes of our heart would be illuminated. So many prayers related to light, just the centrality of that motif in the scripture. And then the invitation to step into that praying, let there be light. So an illumination of what's really going on. 
an illumination of my own heart and eyes being enlightened, an illumination for guidance, but just that simple prayer, let there be light, and mm-hmm. just sticking with that yep. is one of them. Jesus, we consecrate this to you. Just that simple phrase I've gleaned from being around y'all, um, just really needing to just prayer consecration. But again, it doesn't have to be complicated, but I consecrate. And why does the prayer of consecration feel helpful? To me, it is like, I know this is informed by this kind of ferocious place in me, but when I consecrate something, for me, I feel like one aspect of it is I am taking it out of any of darkness's ability to use that thing for the purpose of ill on the earth. Like, Mm -hmm. as soon as I consecrate it, it's like, that thing is off limits from the kingdom of darkness, and it is absolutely available to the kingdom of my Father. What do you find yourself consecrating? <laughs> my spirit, soul, and body, my heart, mind, will, and emotion. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. It's a good beginning. Exactly. Yeah. You guys, I'm laughing because that's from the daily prayer. If I haven't said it enough, I recommend the daily prayer. You can find it on our app. Prayers. You're so cute. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Okay. Let there be light. Let there be light. I consecrate this to you. And then I enforce your kingdom. Mm. I enforce your kingdom. Mm. Another one would be the full work of Jesus. I bring the full work of Jesus. So those are uh, four. If I had to like leave my best and walk away, it would be like those four. Okay, we better riff on the last two because they're doozies, Yep. right? So let's start with, I enforce the kingdom. By that, you mean? The range of God's effective will, the kingdom of my Jesus, his authority, his rule, his dominion, and his rightful claim. Into a certain situation yes. or into a relationship? Yeah, to or... my, that's a good question. In my best days, my days when I'm, how do you say it in Waking the Dead, about being oriented? Alert and oriented times four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. when I'm alert and oriented times four. Mm-hmm. So when I'm alert and oriented times four, my relationships, my person, all the facets of my being, my kids, our vehicles, our finances, our domain— but what's so helpful about that consecration and exerting the authority of Christ is it's orienting. Life is busy. Life is messy. We come into a story 40 minutes late, right? Yep. On every single day. But there's yeah. something very empowering when we begin every day with, God, I consecrate me to you. I just mm-hmm. start here. Mm-hmm. And some days I will confess, I don't get beyond union. And now I've learned that's okay. I consecrate my life in God. Mm. I consecrate our union. I give you say. I give you permission. I I declare your authority. And then I move into our marriage. That is my first sacred trust. So before Mm. I can get to any doing, consecrating our marriage every Mm. day and then our children. And it goes out from there. But as Dallas says, there are no ordinary days. And so I've learned to be really kind to myself in this. It can't be a massive list of things to do. Some days, all I can do is pause for a short time to begin the day of, I consecrate everything that you have entrusted to my care, and I establish your authority. Mm. I enforce your kingdom in mm. my kingdom. And it's even, John, a posture for me of, it's not even the the work of bringing it, it's opening my kingdom to God's kingdom, right? Mm. Let the 
gates of the kingdom. Open the gates so that the king of glory may come in. Exactly. And that's what it is, is opening the gates of my kingdom to his kingdom. And then it's from that place, there's a settledness, there's a strength, as you said, Sherry, there's light and there's orientation. And now I will get particular. If I have time, I'll go through various extensions of my sacred trust. But there are times where I just say, Jesus, what do I need to do? Mm. What do I need to know? What things are on your agenda today that I need to enforce specifically? And it's really fun with our kids because they get it. They get it. They understand they need to consecrate their sports teams, their school, their friendships, and that bringing the authority of Christ in a realm changes things. Yes, it does. Yeah. So when Cher uses the phrase enforcing the kingdom, listeners, it's, you know, obviously we have a culture and we have a language and, you know, it it emanates from a worldview, but it's back to the Lord's prayer. Thy Mm -hmm. kingdom come, thy will be done. We, Mm -hmm. Jesus is instructing us not only to ask God, would you please heal this relationship? Would you please mend this body? Would you please help our finances? Would you please help me find a job? Yes, 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 right? Absolutely. Those are good prayers. But we are also partners with God in ushering in the reign of Jesus, the rule of God, into situations. And that's what we mean by enforcing the kingdom. So into this situation, I invoke the kingdom of God here. I invoke the rule of Jesus into this. And like, this is a no-brainer gang for Anything that you hope goes well. <laughs> okay, so can we just say a date? A date with your spouse or, 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 or with a friend or, or a birthday party or, or your birthday party for your four-year-old or, you know, that you, anything that you just hope goes mm-hmm, well. Totally. Don't leave that to the winds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you invoke the kingdom. We consecrate it and, and we go into this, into this particular day, into this you know, um, date that I hope goes well with Stacy. I invoke the kingdom of God. I bring the reign mm-hmm. of Jesus over this. And and there's a fierceness to it. There, Back in Genesis 1, with the mandate to rule and subdue, be fruitful, multiply, the Hebrew there is fierce mastery. Mm-hmm. Fierce mastery. Because the world is a, is a wild place, you know, and, and there are other forces yes. seeking to have influence mm-hmm. over that birthday party or that date or that you know, mm-hmm. job search or whatever. And so here, now in this, we are enforcing the reign of Jesus here. We are invoking it, bringing mm-hmm. it, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, what a wonderful thing. I mean, th- this brings so much dignity to your own life. Yes. It's like you are a player. Yes. You are a mm-hmm. partner. You are you are on the field. Yes. You have a vital role in this. Yes. If you do not invoke the kingdom into this, who's gonna? Mm-hmm. Right. Right? And it surfaces... All the many places where my will is frankly in conflict with God's will, right? The greatest threat to God's kingdom is our kingdom. As I lean into this fervent desire to Mm. have God's Mm. will be done, it makes me more open to, huh, I don't, I have a different agenda. Or maybe I don't know his will. Can you give me an example though? I'm really, like, I'm curious what that actually, what do you actually, give me an example. Praying for Joshua to win his football games this weekend. Right? I'm, I'm on one team. I'm in it for one team, right? I find myself praying uh, that my son doesn't get hurt, yes. that we win, and yep. I go, wait a second. Wait I don't second. pray that way. Okay, that's fine. Well, you're not a dad, so step back. 
<laughs> I start praying that way. I and then I go, this. wait a second, wait this. a second. God, you love all those kids. And and yet I have a son yes. that's a sacred trust, yes. that I have authority. Absolutely. I have a team, yep. I have a school that I have a mm-hmm. certain level mm-hmm. of authority. And therefore I find myself in the mm-hmm. prayer going, okay, God, as I'm praying fervently, I'm getting more and more of his attention. And then I begin aligning, going, mm. okay, I I don't know what God's outcome is in this game that would be good for my son, mm. but I know that it is good. Mm. And so I consecrate this game. I consecrate my son's role. I consecrate the playtime yeah. he gets. I bring blessing. Right? I bring blessing. And I will what is good for God in the lives of all these other kids. And as John, you said, yes. there's other forces at work. And so I bring the goodness of God over this game. I pray for initiation. I pray for maturing. I pray for camaraderie and grit and brotherhood. And I pray against the thief that wants to diminish kids and accuse them in their identity. And so the whole point is, I often have a will that's actually in conflict (laughs) with God's will. Okay, I'm chuckling because two revelations recently have come to me. First, Jurgen Klopp really owes me season tickets to Liverpool because (laughs) they won the European Championship last year, I think largely because of my intervention. (laughs) That's a quote. That's a quote. We need to put that in sports So if anybody knows Jürgen who's listening to this, uh, other than you, Mike, if anyone else knows Jürgen and can get me, he really needs to understand. So here's the funny story is is I follow Liverpool uh, football, soccer. And uh, of course, I pray for the games. Of course, I pray for them yes. to win. I want you know that's okay. It's okay to root for your team. Right. That's totally fine. Right. But then I found myself, I found myself kind of in, engaging into that like ferocity you were naming earlier, share sort of at a level. I, I just I just found myself stopping in the midst of the prayer. I'm watching it live on television, you know, and and I'm like Jesus. I don't. I actually I actually don't think that you want this kind of intervention in prayer for this particular soccer yes, game. Yes. I, I don't think that's my role in the world right now. <laughs> so I, it's just cracking me <laughs> up that I, I've had to like back off of my of my intervening prayers somewhat. Right. Now, there was a moment ago that you said you don't pray like that for Joshua's games. How do you pray? How does a mom pray? Yes, I'm curious. How do you pray for our son's games? I get really fired up over this idea that, like, as I pray for my son, like, I am praying kind of in proxy, like, over all the kids. Like, I really relish that place of, like— Mother egg. Yeah, I guess so. So I absolutely— like, but I, I, I guess to that point where, like, and I always pray, among other things that you mentioned, but that everyone would, like, I prayed it this morning, would have access to their greatest capacities within themselves and that they would play at their highest potential, every single kiddo, and then whatever the outcome is from that. Oh, that's just... <laughs> <laughs> that is... Then it seems like it's fair play. That is so beautiful. And maybe most we'll, of the people listening to this go, nope. Yeah, maybe no, I'm when I my kid up. wins. Maybe when you and I grow up, I'll pray like that. Maybe no, not interested. Maybe when I'm, I'm a better person. Uh, but we have a really good team, so us playing maybe, at our highest potential. Maybe, uh, maybe when I'm a better person. No. <laughs> okay, a couple more questions for you guys. I'm curious about family. You, you've got two teenagers. You said that you pray together. Family prayer. You know, that's ooh, that's such a tricky thing for a lot of households. 
in everything from, you know, there was a religious saying, it was called family altar. Did you grow up with family altar? You know, it was, it was the time of devotions and, you know, dad would read a scripture and the family would pray a prayer. But it was, you know, it was obligatory it, kind of a thing. But you guys don't, you don't do that. Um, but you pray with your kids. Talk to us about that. How do you pray with your kids? What does that look like? This is one of my most exciting topics because I'm always holding these questions thanks to the story of Ransom Heart over two decades of who is God, really? What is the story in which we find ourselves? Mm. Who am I and what is my frontier? Those are like questions always on the, the tip of my tongue and at the center of my heart. And the kingdom of God was meant to be our greatest story. And all the other small stories are competing for that place in our heart. And so mm-hmm. whatever else we're offering to our children, I want to invite them to the possibility that every story, whether it's football or school, is meant to be seated and energized and find its place in a larger story, mm-hmm. right? And so what is the gospel we're giving them? So I, as you ask that, John, I, I can't even fully like segment out prayer because prayer is a part of a worldview that we're trying to invite them into mm. and give them categories. And, and so I think, like our marriage, a big piece of our prayer with the kids was just start praying. It was just praying, and they would hear us start praying, and then sometimes they'll just start praying in a moment of need. But what I find fascinating is I think, and I'm, sure, I'm real curious what you think about this, as they're young, they have seemingly less need for prayer right? Like life works because they're covered. Mm. And yet we're depositing sacred trust in them that in time when the need presents itself, they will look to God. And so, for example, we have a, a version of a daily prayer. We call it the daybreak prayer that we pray with our kids in the morning on the drive to school, whoever's driving them. And it formed over time out of the basis of the theology that we wanted deposited in them. So I don't know that when they're praying, they're praying much or they're just going through the rote reality of it, but that's okay yeah. because it's being written in them as a sacred trust. And so, so we, you're praying with them as you So we pray out school. loud, right? We consecrate, bring the authority, and then we go through this prayer. And part of it is these kind of pieces where we say, you know, we unite our heart with your heart. We choose to live in the present moment. We ask for a wise and discerning heart. And, and it goes on. Mm. But the idea is, I don't know how much they're praying, but it's being written in them. And what that prayer embodies is the theology that we hope will root them in the larger story. And so I think part of it's modeling. We model a life of prayer. It's not just you ought to, but they see Mm. it matters. And second is we're writing it in them in a way where when they need it, they will have access to those tools and they Mm. will see the fruit for themselves. Mm. Jenny and I have talked about this because I look up to your kids and think of them as Samuel's 30 and the other boys are closing in on 30 and to see their prayer lives and to realize, oh my gosh, John and Stacy, it happened. Their boys, all three of them, pray and have a relationship with God for themselves. And I think I feel humble talking about this because I feel like Morgan and I are still like like the trees, <laughs> like we're just we're just not there to be able to like. So so what we're doing right now, I am trusting Jesus that He has our kids. But I I just want to acknowledge I don't want to like talk here like our kids are thirty and like 
robust in their own prayer life. They're 12 and 15, and we're, we're in the midst. But um, I, one of my favorite things to do with them is that I invite them to, like, and actually we've shared this with Morg, but um, I, I'm the one who drives them the most and to bless their dad. And it's just so dear to hear what they bless him with like while we're driving, and sometimes it's super poignant. And sometimes when Mark comes home, there's been a couple of times where he's come home and reported something about his day. And like, I've looked at the kids and I feel like it's a direct result of something that they blessed mm-hmm. him with. Yeah. And like their insight, like the specificity with which they'll bless him, sometimes like it takes my breath away. And um, I think I have to be careful because I think I want to, you guys might've gathered this already. I can just be like a little over the top in my intensity and wanting them to, want everything that I want for them in God so badly. Like I can just, I have to really back off and and pray for them and then just have bite-sized pieces of what I want for them because I, mm. I can just be over the top in my intensity and mm. end up being, I'm afraid, you know, counterproductive. So for me, there's this like very intimate place of self-regulation or self-control mm. to not... Overwhelm them. Overwhelm them. Yeah. Does that surprise you, John? (laughs) Couple more categories. Listening prayer. Practicing listening prayer. Is that is that something that you do together? Is that something you do as a family? Like what what role does listening prayer, meaning not coming to Jesus with our request, Mm -hmm. but asking questions, expecting him to speak Mm -hmm. to your questions, what how's that playing out in your lives? I think a piece I'd offer in that is there's a lot of that in our personal lives, Mm -hmm. in our own personal prayer life. And with the season of young kids and a lot of activity, what we often find ourselves doing is we will have something that we both do listening prayer separately, and then we'll come back and report on something. So we, we have a real deep commitment in our marriage of kind of red light, green light, yellow light, like if... If either of us get a red light on it, on anything, we don't proceed. Like either of us have the ability to put up the red light and say no. And it just gives us a safe place to rest, to know the train's not leaving the station as it affects our marriage. Yeah. And then with the kids, John, for me, I'm curious, share what you would say is like, I want to entice them with the gospel rather than pressure or presume. And so I, I want the gospel to be something really attractive. And so I listening prayer, I've found in my immaturity can feel rather booby-trapped, like I need to get it right or the pressure's on in my younger years of trying to cultivate the practice of listening. And so with my kids, I've erred on the side of just more levity with it and yep. more light practicing. Yep. Joshua has something, a decision that he has to make. And so two nights ago, he asked me my counsel on it and we talked through it. And then I said, Joshua, I like, you ought to just do some some praying and some listening. Ask God what he thinks and let's chat about it. And But it was very casual. It wasn't now go to your room yeah. and ask God. It was on your time and in your manner over the next couple of days. And actually, he came back to me yesterday and I said, hey, have you have you prayed and asked God about that? In other words, that's the fra- phrase. It wasn't just have you prayed, but have you prayed and asked? Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, I, I think my sense is I'm supposed to do it. And I said, me too. Let's go for it. So it's just this light introduction mm-hmm. and kind of a winsome posture of practice mm-hmm. would be what I would say. 
And I think that for me, I have found a lot of meaning in cultivating just that dual awareness where I'm kind of trying to always listen. And again, that's the target I'm shooting for. I fall short of that all the time. But like the other day I was generating a text and I thought of a friend. There is a house that I found out was going to go on the market. And I was thinking to myself of a friend who might want. It should, would be perfect for so-and-so. It would be yes. perfect. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm doing this text and yep. then literally it was like a. It was like a um, my entire being was arrested, and I know enough to know that is God getting my attention, like it's like a sensation. And then I know I had that moment because I kind of wanted to send that text anyways. And by the grace of God, like I just like paused, listened, and deleted the text. Mm. So for me, listening prayer is both. Okay, Jesus, here comes a vacation. And we had we we did a big prayer last summer over whether we we're not supposed to take this vacation and. We were ironically sensing no, even though we really wanted to take it, and it just turned out to be the best decision for our family. So there's there's prayer of our big, big decisions, which I appreciate, and I'm very interested in this like moment by moment kind of listening. Mm-hmm. And it's hard; it feels like training because the mm-hmm. amount of times where I have to reverse direction or mm-hmm. stop and interrupt yeah. my own will is interesting to me. Yeah. What feels like the frontier for you in prayer? Now, all these years later, what are you exploring into in prayer? As I mentioned, John, at the beginning of this conversation, I've had some pretty deep transformation in prayer over the last nine months, and it's been centered around this shift of curiosity. And what I've found is the warrior in me can charge, and it's done that a lot for a lot of years. And I think I've gone through enough of that as the primary mode and had enough pain through some of the results to ask God, God, is there another manner at which you want me to live? Not to put the warrior aside, but are there other ways that will result in me 10 years from now, as we talk about a lot, feeling healthier, stronger, more Mm. united with God, Mm. more wholehearted than the way I'm living. Mm. And what I've found is there has been this shift that feels, um, it it feels all sorts of different things, irresponsible, inefficient, um, young, because I don't really know how to do it, but rather than get a lot done in prayer, I first have to let it be about being and becoming and what it's doing in me. It's made my prayers feel rather unproductive. Yes. And yet it feels like, and that's why I have to say it's frontier, because I don't really, I can't tell you much about it. Yeah. But I find myself, there's, Sherry, as you said, there's the prayers through the entire day of, of trying to live in a walk with God. But in the morning, that time of centering where I just want God, and that's enough. I want to. I want His portion and His pace. I think I'd name it that. Mm-hmm. I, my frontier is God. What does it mean to live according to Your portion and Your pace? A soul's portion and a soul's pace. That my breath would be united with the breath of God. That I would live in in present tense with God, and all of that's frontier for mm-hmm. me. Sure. You want to take a swing at that one? I think for me, it's more ground explored, ground gained on those two fronts of prayer of intimacy and then prayer to 
rule and reign and enforce the coming of the kingdom. So both of those feel really central to me right now. And, you know, that prayer to just let God love me. I was recently just really burdened, so deeply burdened by some of the things going on in the world. I'm really um, right now learning a lot about the history of racial trauma in America and just like the conflation of Christianity in that and a lot. And um, I was talking to someone who would care a lot about their counsel, and they just said, Sherry, as you enter into that, just remember to at first, like before I kind of run off in my good heart to like take on all of these big things that I have to let God love me, fill me up, surprise me every day with his love for me. Um, so prayer of intimacy is yes. is foremost. Yeah, And then I'm very curious about prayer of enforcing his kingdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Friends, I hope you have been enjoying this as much as me. And I know, I know, I know. It's raising all kinds of questions. You are friends with the most brilliant person in the universe. His name is Jesus. Ask him. I, I mean, if there was something that was, you know, pricked or aroused or confused you today before you write us, ask Jesus. Ask him, Lord, what was that? What, it, what Are you teaching me about that? What does that look like in my life? Like, invite him in. He'd love to shepherd you in that. He loves to, to walk with us in that way. We did reference a couple books. Gotta give a shout out to Moving Mountains. It's a pretty exhaustive look at the different ways Scripture lays out prayer for us, including the prayers of intimacy and the prayers of intervention. So that would be helpful mm -hmm. to you. And we have more coming in the weeks ahead. Thanks for listening.